Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Jen Hernandez, a registered dietitian who has the passion to simplify the nutrition needs of individuals with chronic kidney disease and to decrease the prevalence of kidney disease by providing nutrition education, including realistic and wholesome life changes without all the stress that goes along with it. Jen does this through her private practice and helps individuals all over the world. Please enjoy my conversation with Jen. I'm excited. You know, I think we connected, probably I connected on Instagram with you because I thought you had such an interesting niche that a lot of dietitians don't really go into private practice in and mm-hmm. just kidney health in general and renal stuff is something that's very foreign to a lot of people. So I'm excited to get to learn more about your path and how you got to what you're doing right now. So can you dig deep and take me back to when you kind of were thinking that dietetics was a thing that you might want to do when you grow up? Oh man. Yeah. So when I was in my undergrad, at University of Arizona, I was the typical student trying to figure out what the heck I wanted to do. <laughs> and I, when I first enrolled, I think I switched majors probably five or six times, just not really knowing what it was that I wanted to focus on. And eventually I landed into the science and health arena and I became pretty intrigued by physical therapy. So I started working as a physical therapy tech during my undergrad, and I was working in um, helping people with rehabilitation, using the TENS units, doing modality, uh, icing and heating methods and exercises, all of that kind of stuff. And I remember very distinctly one day, one of the physical therapists I worked with told me about a new patient coming in for a status post double knee replacement. And he said that it was because of his obesity and he just made comments, which looking back is pretty judgmental and a bit stereotypical. But um, he said, you know, if only he had made changes with his lifestyle and his diet before this, he probably wouldn't have needed to come to this point of requiring a double knee replacement. And that made me start thinking about really preventive side and a lot about the nutrition. So it was really soon after that, that I switched majors for one last time and really (laughs) locked in on nutritional sciences and dietetics. So that I decided I wanted to be a dietitian, still wasn't sure exactly where I would end up. um, But I knew it wanted, I knew I wanted to be a dietitian. And so then eventually in my last year, I started working as an eating disorder technician at an inpatient eating disorder treatment in Tucson. And it was really fascinating. And it just drove more interest into the nutrition side of things, but also some of the psychology behind it, because I sat with people with eating disorders and really just monitored them during their mealtime. And uh, it was such an interesting thing. It just kind of really further drove my intrigue into dietetics. And eventually I went through, I mean, it was a while later, honestly, I, I didn't get through the first run of internships. I I was a bit more selective on my internship applications. The first diecast run, um, I didn't get through that, but it was a blessing in disguise because I was able to work for WIC for about a year and a half. And then when I reapplied for my internship, I, um, I already had the credit. They gave me full credit. I went through Iowa state university with their distance program, which oh. was, yeah, it was, oh my gosh, that is an amazing program. I, I was so in love with it. And, um, yeah, I, I did that. I got credit for my community from the work that I had already done. So I was able to accomplish my internship in about five months. and with their testing and the way that they really prepare you for everything going into becoming an RD, I passed the inter- or I passed the exam on my first round. So I went from intern to a uh, dietitian in less than six months. 
Wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's fast. (laughs) Yeah. That part was really fast. Um, But it was good because at that time, my husband was, my husband's in the military. And uh, so he was actually deployed during my internship. So, yeah, which uh, was another blessing in disguise because I could just be like, you know what, go do your thing. I've got to focus on my internship and I, I'm going to be like locked in either here at the hospital for the next five months. So I wouldn't see you anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's very true. Was was he deployed about the same amount of time then too? Yeah, actually at that deployment, he was, it was a shorter deployment and that was another reason that I liked the Iowa state internship. It, It just really fell in line with a lot of my personal uh, deadlines and timelines. My sister was getting married that fall. So I wanted to make sure I was completed all done with the internship before I went out to Arizona because I was in Texas at that time. So I wanted to be sure I was done there before I went back to Arizona for her wedding. And then my husband got back later that winter. I think it was January. Yeah. That totally was perfect timing then. Everything worked out kind of like, kind of like you said, it was like a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. But for, for my whole, like the beginning of my dietetic discovery and, and really what I wanted to do, it was a really slow start to begin with. And then once I kind of figured things out, it was fast. It was really fast. So share. So did you, I think that's great. Like, I think a lot of people forget that you can work in WIC and not be an RD. Like mm-hmm. if you have that new background, you can still work in that WIC situation, which is a great idea if you didn't maybe get your first, if you didn't get into the internship that first Mm -hmm. round. I love that idea. I never thought of that. Yeah. So did you go back to WIC or then what kind of, since you had had all these experiences, you know, with physical therapy and then with your eating disorders, what initially did you think you wanted to work in outside of maybe the WIC setting? Well, at that point, um, when I was finishing up my internship in the military, it's always, especially as a military spouse, it's always a question of when you're going to be somewhere, how long you're going to be there. It's basically, I, I always tell people like, I have a vision of what my schedule looks like up until a certain date. And then it's a black hole. It's just, I have no idea what's going to happen. Well, you even kind of said that when we scheduled this too. Like, you're like, I don't know where I will be in August. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, get it. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I actually thought I was going to be in a totally different place than I am now. So, um, <laughs> yeah. But when I first, um, when I was coming out of my internship, I started interviewing in, I, we were living in El Paso, Texas at the time where I had worked on my internship Um, I made a lot of connections, which was another really good benefit of doing the distance program, but I became involved in the local dietetic association. I connected with a lot of people on the board. And so they knew I was a student. They knew I was going to be finishing up my internship and they started helping connect me with different opportunities. And um, yeah, that was really, really great with the number, the limited number of jobs I had available to me at that time. I picked, there was nothing at the hospital, but I did pick up an, uh, interview for basically a long-term care. It's a PACE program. Oh yeah. Uh, you've heard of that? I have, but maybe explain it again. I've had one other individual on here that had done PACE, but I would explain it again just for those listeners that heard that episode. Yeah. So it is program for all inclusive care of the elderly. It is a really fantastic situation where it's almost like a, an adult daycare center, but it's combined with, um, basically a clinic, a full service clinic. So of course they have several physicians on staff. They have tons of nurses and techs, like medical assistants there to help. They have physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, therapy, of course, dietitians for nutrition therapy. It was really just a full-blown service. So people could choose to come Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or I think it was Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And they would be there all day and there would be recreational events. We would have different types of, um, I mean, like activities, bingo. And um, I mean, there was always something going on. It was a big, almost like a cafeteria kind of setting where everybody would sit in tables and there'd be different activities. And then there'd be a meal time. 
and they would get their at least one, if not two meals a day, or at least another snack or something. We could also provide oral nutrition supplements there as well. Um, We did home visits. So if people were living in um, a skilled nursing facility or a, um, some kind of home health service, we could go do a home visit and see them there. And I could talk with people in their home environment about, um, dietary preferences and kind of checking their situation at home and their home life. So we did palliative oh, nice. care. I mean, it, it's just really oh, all inclusive. Yeah, yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah. And the, the whole team has a great connection when it comes to, um, when it comes to, we would have these interdisciplinary interdisciplinary team meetings and we would all be bringing our concerns to the table and, uh, yeah, it was just a really, really great way to get started as a dietitian. And I was the solo dietitian of that clinic, but there were several sister clinics. So I had, um, support from dietitians in the other areas, but I liked still having the autonomy, even as being a new dietitian, that was always something that was very important to me is to have that autonomy. So, um, that, yeah, that was my first RD role. And I also eventually started working per diem at the hospital on weekends doing basically just the nutrition rounds and a lot of tube feeding supports in ICU. And that was really, really helpful just to kind of keep my toes in the water for some of the medical nutri- nutrition therapy that was outside of the elderly long-term care realm. Isn't it funny how like if you don't if you don't work in it like you either use it or you lose it. So oh, hundred kind of percent. Like, yeah. So when you're working in more of a specialty area like the elderly, you're not you're not doing anything as far as nutrition support and things mm-hmm. like that. So that's interesting that you did. Oh, you had to, you had to be busy, my friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like being busy. I really like I really like being busy and. um uh, having just a lot of things on my plate juggling. I don't juggle, but mentally I think I do. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's just something I really enjoy is having a lot of, a lot of things going on. So did you, was then relocation, um, what determined your next steps or did you kind of stick, stay with that while you were in El Paso? It was definitely on my mind because we were hitting at that point, probably four years in El Paso, which is a really long time, a really long time to be stationed somewhere in the military. One of the reasons that we got to be there for a long time was because my husband had been deployed during my internship. So it was nice that he could request coming back to El Paso after his deployment. Mm -hmm. And we got to stay there longer, but I knew it wasn't going to last forever. So with that in mind, um, plus as I had mentioned, I was pretty, um, I was pretty active with the dietetic association there and I was on the board helping people and I was running like their spring seminar. It was my job to coordinate that. And I was very engaged. Yeah. I was very engaged in taking care of a lot of the stuff with the board and a lot of the board members were working in dialysis at the time. (laughs) It's actually looking back. I feel like half at least of the board was working in dialysis. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And we would have oftentimes our board meetings at the dialysis clinics. Oh, (laughs) because they have a conference room that we could use. So I, I was going there and one of my good friends who was the president at the time um, was telling me, Hey Jen, there's a position opening up for dialysis and I think you should take it. I really think you do a good job in dialysis. And She was just so positive and encouraging. And uh, I tell my clients this and I tell, I tell this story on on social media too, that when I first was introduced to the idea of working dialysis, I was totally petrified completely because up until that point, every time I would have somebody who had, who was on, who was on dialysis, I would always document, please defer to dialysis dietitian for renal nutrition therapy recommendations. So it was really easy for me to say, it's not mine, like too many cooks in the kitchen. So I I just didn't have that recent experience. And I was totally petrified thinking, oh my gosh, like protein, phosphorus, potassium, anemia, blood pressure, diabetes, like, oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming. Um, But then I thought about it really from a professional and logistical standpoint of 
there are dialysis clinics all over the country. And if I can get into one of these bigger known companies, it's going to make it so much easier for me to at least have the opportunity to transfer my work from one location to the next, depending on where we get stationed next. So, um, and really I, I liked the challenge of the renal diet. And I thought, you know what, if I can master this, I can do anything in nutrition. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's overwhelming to think about, but yeah, it's like you said, it's one of those things like you need to use it. Otherwise you'll lose it. And I wanted to get in there and use it. So I, uh, pretty shortly after that, about a year in the long-term and, and hospital settings, I made the move over to a dialysis clinic and it was a huge clinic. It was the largest one in the region. We had a hundred, I can't even remember now, over a hundred in center chairs. And wow. mm-hmm, there were lot. two. Oh yeah. And there was also a PD clinic and it was the largest PD clinic in the, in the area as well. And there was about 90 PD patients, peritoneal dialysis. And so when I came on, I was already working with two other full-time dietitians and I took over the entire PD clinic and then one of the shifts of the in-center hemodialysis. But it was a really good way for me to learn, to start learning about renal because I had two amazing, really smart renal dietitians who were experienced and knew ins and outs about renal nutrition and I could go to for advice. Plus my friends from the uh, from the board that I would see would also be there. And it, it just felt like I felt so supported in, in being able to have that confidence of, of doing that. So I started working there and, um, about six months later, we got the notification. My husband got accepted to, uh, San Diego state university for him to be able to pursue his master's degree. So we were moving to California and uh, I was able to eventually transfer my job and work at another dialysis clinic out there. Another wonderful job where I was back to working on my own as the solo dietitian, but it was a smaller clinic and I was back to having that autonomy. And yet I felt so comfortable in being able to take care of it on my own and, uh, Yeah. So that was where I started getting into the dialysis and the renal side of things, because I thought about, you know, what is realistically something I can take with me from move to move. Sure. Because it was going to keep happening regardless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was totally out of my control. And yeah, I mean, that is definitely one of the hardest things. Um, One of the hardest things for sure about military and that as soon as you get comfortable somewhere like El Paso, I was finally feeling good. I had my career going. I was, everything was feeling right. And then we up and move. Yeah. And then, you know, we go to California and I knew that one was going to be shorter because we were only allowed to be there for the duration of his MBA, which was a year and a half. So yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, literally we unpack our bags and then right away it's getting ready to go again. Um, but then we got stationed here in Hawaii, which is where I'm at now. And uh, that, that led to horrible. By I the know. Way. I know. I can't, <laughs> I can't sit here and complain about this kind of stuff. Because <laughs> honestly, I, we wouldn't live in California. We wouldn't live in Hawaii had it not been for the military. Sure. So where would you live? Like if you had a choice, where would you pick? Oh, my gosh. Um I, for a while, didn't see myself leaving Arizona. My my parents live there. My nieces, my sister live there. Um, My husband's family lives there. I mean, that's where we met. And that is, uh, that's where our home has always been. And we do talk about eventually getting back there and like in a retirement kind of situation or or at least Mm -hmm. way, way far into our careers. Um, But I don't know. I mean, it probably would have been just Arizona. And I I say just because it's like, with how much place? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Arizona. It is. It is so beautiful. And um, yeah, Arizona is great. I miss it. And honestly, like if you think about, I feel like I don't. And maybe you could speak to this too. But like Texas, Arizona, kind of like those retirement communities. Do you Mm -hmm. feel that like renal and dialysis 
that tends to be a little bit heavier in those states because it is a little bit of an older population? Um, I mean, Texas was definitely really, really big, but I can't even say it's directly related to retirement. I mean, knowing what I know now about renal, it is, I mean, I've had, I've had patients that are 17 years old and it, it just hits every single age range. Um, it, I think it's a, I think it's definitely higher up there, but there's so many factors involved. I mean, cultural factors and, um, the different types of socio socioeconomic issues that come across with, with healthcare. And that's, and I, I think that, and I would love for you to talk about that a little bit more because I think a lot of people have that mindset that renal failure only occurs in people that have diabetes or are older or, Mm -hmm. you know, like I I think that there's very, like you said, there's very much like a a stigmatism to like, not a stigmatism, but there is a a A stigma stigma to some of these types of, you know, disease states. And like you said, you had a 17 year old and a lot of people don't think of that Mm -hmm. as someone that would need dialysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, it's really sad when, when I would work in the clinics and you get these new patients and I mean, no matter what their age is, deer in headlights. I mean, it's just almost all the time. It's always a shock. They had no idea, never saw it coming. We start connecting the dots and, Oh yeah, maybe, maybe I could have seen this coming had I known had I been aware of my family history, had I been aware that my GFR was already low, you know, nobody told me and nobody warned me, but, uh, there's a lot of younger people that have, um, these genetic issues. A lot of it's, uh, autoimmune problems that can Mm -hmm. lead to kidney failure. And yeah, and it's really early on. It, It can happen really, really early, but even sometimes, I mean, we've, I know in like the dietetic world, it's been uh, talked and addressed about with the higher prevalence of childhood health issues becoming just increasingly alarming with the rates of hypertension in children, of diabetes in children. And these are the two top causes of kidney failure. So it really only makes sense that if it's happening earlier, if those, if those precursors are happening earlier in life, that that kidney failure is also going to happen earlier in life. Um, but. Well, and I, just from my, just from my experience, like as an outpatient kind of dietitian, it's, it always, it's kind of like doctors telling someone they're not diabetic, but they are, you know, like they mm-hmm. have pre-diabetes. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of doctors that are like, oh, you're pre-renal, but that doesn't mean you have renal problems. So oh you're just gosh. age four. Mm-hmm. So you're fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like, does that happen a lot? Do you feel like? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Um, now my, my, I'm out of dialysis clinics now. I work yes. full time in a virtual private practice, helping people with CKD prevent kidney failure. Um, and I, I can't even tell you, I, oh my gosh, almost every single client, every single person I speak to about kidney issues tells me that their appointments go you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And then all of a sudden there's a phone call. You got to come in right now. And it's like this huge, urgent, your GFR tanked and we've got to start dialysis. And they're, I mean, the client, they're saying, well, wait a minute, like just a couple months ago, you said everything was great. You said, I didn't have to worry about anything. And like, why, why did we go from zero to 60? So, or 60 to zero. <laughs> yeah. So it it is a really, um, I think it's honestly a disservice in the medical community for them to not put a little more emphasis on the earlier stages. And I think that is because the traditional nephrology care is so focused on dialysis. And so many clients and people I've spoke with have told me that, that they don't feel like a client. They don't feel like a patient of their doctors until they were on dialysis. And then once they're on the di- on dialysis and their doctor sees them every other week, at least once a month in the clinic, in the dialysis clinic, that's when they're like, oh, he's actually paying attention to me, you know, but I'm on dialysis now. So what's, what's the point? That's but That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like for your position in your own, 
virtual practice now. It's like you, there's so many nutrition interventions that mm-hmm. you can do early in their, you know, diagnosis. So I think that's, I think you're at an awesome place because you can tell, like people are like, I want to prevent getting on dialysis. How can you help me? So I figured that's kind of what you're, where you're at in your profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, and it's been such such a joy. It's been such a joy in being able to help people because at this point for them, they are, they know of the idea of dialysis. They've maybe heard horror stories or they go on, on Facebook groups and they hear people talk about, you know, different problems with dialysis. They, they have this concept in mind. They don't know, they can't go in the clinic and they can't see what's really going on. Um, but I have been there and I see the problems that can happen. And I mean, there's one patient that we had in my most recent clinic here in Hawaii who had such a weak heart, her heart would stop on dialysis. Mm. And, and it's terrifying for other patients to watch the nurse jump on top of this patient giving CPR and they're calling 911 and trying to keep this poor patient alive. And it is, um, the dialysis clinic is, it's just a, it's just a tough situation. And a lot of my clients come to me saying, I don't want to be on dialysis. And I tell them like, I, I don't blame you. I really don't blame you. I think it's a really hard situation. Not everybody can completely avoid dialysis or they can choose to go if they want, but um, I'm here to provide that other option for you that you don't have to be on dialysis. And it's so rewarding knowing what, what I'm, helping them avoid and how I'm giving them a better quality of life. And they might not even realize how much of a difference it is. They're so grateful, of course, but I I really just want to be like, really, really, you need to, (laughs) if only you saw what happens, like it's, it's a huge difference. So even helping my, my CKDers who have a GFR, I have a client I've been working with for about a year now, and we've been maintaining his GFR around uh, nine and he's not on dialysis. What, what do you like to have it? At? I mean, like, what's the ideal GFR? Um, I can't say there's like a number per se. It's we can never predict when it's going to drop or or anything like that, or how long it's going to take for it to change. Um, my ideal is I want all of my clients, whatever number they come in to see me at, I want to keep it at least there, if not improve it. That's, that's my goal. So this one, for example, had come to me with a GFR of nine and he said, my doctor's pushing dialysis. I really don't want to do that. I'd like to do a different way. So we've been focusing on the non-dialysis alternative. And his wife was telling me the other day, like you should, I want to send you a before and after picture of him a year ago and how drained he looked. And now he's so much better. And she talks about how he, she has to pull him in from working outside because he's working so much and he's, oh he has so much energy. <laughs> and to think of how rewarding that is, is, is really, really awesome. It's just so awesome. So have you, so I, you know, when you think about a private practice being focused in, you know, kidney health, that's not very common. You know, most people are like weight loss or, mm-hmm. you know, intuitive eating or, you know, eating disorders. So when you think about how you got started and how do you find your client, you know, those kind of things that, because you're, you're at a very specific client. So how mm-hmm. do you find those clients or how did they find you? Well, for me, when I first started, um, I thought about going the insurance route because CKD is so com- so covered with insurance. Um, but there's a lot of red tape to it as far as the number of sessions or the location, like I wanted to be virtual. I, I know that when we move again, I want to be able to take my work with me. So I, it had to be a virtual position for me, for my practice. So that made it challenging. Um, pre quarantine, of course. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to go the cash pay route. And I know to do that, I really need to reach directly to my ideal clients So I started focusing on social media and that's where I really started to hone in on Instagram and practicing and kind of working on my message there. 
at first, when I very, very first started thinking about private practice and just being like, I got to do something virtual. My resume is two pages long already, just from <laughs> these different jobs. I, yeah. I, can't, I can't keep doing this. So I, I first started just kind of generic posting nutrition, health, and sometimes intuitive eating topics or, you know, health at every size things. Cause I liked that idea too. Um, but it was really just a matter of starting to reach out via social media. And I worked on my message there. And once I, once I really did after another job with the national kidney foundation and another dialysis clinic, it was like, clearly the renal world is calling to me and it's just something that works for me and that I feel so much benefit from. And I know what I'm saving them from, from dialysis. So I really started to focus on my messaging to people with CKD that don't want to go to dialysis. And uh, as a cash pay, it's really important that you reach out directly to your ideal client because I tried talking with doctors, with nephrologists about being a dietitian in private practice. And even the doctors that I had a great relationship with kind of was like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, great. You know, it, it was like, very, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> I mean, after that, the first question is, do you take insurance? So that's yeah. really where their mind is. And that's when initially I was thinking I should, but it, it just doesn't, it didn't fit for me. It, it really wasn't something that I wanted to dive into. So that's, that's when I went back to, let me tell the client, let me reach out to them and tell them directly how it can be different and how it can look different and how eating a kidney friendly diet is a very doable thing. And, um, that was how I started in my renal nutrition world. When I was first working on my private practice, I took some other people that were interested in some of those things like weight loss or healthy eating, things like that. But, um, as I've continued to do this, it's really just totally laser focused on renal nutrition. And people know from my intake form, my website, my posts on social media, like everything I do is kidney. So they know this is who I see. If you want to work with me, there's something going on with your kidneys. That's how it works. <laughs> well, and I, I feel like you, how you, with your social media, you're so approachable with the information that you're providing. So if someone mm-hmm. does have an interest in, you know, like if I'm a kidney patient, something that you do or say is going to catch my eye and I'm going to be like, oh, that applies to me. So that is interesting to me, like the types of foods that are lower in potassium, you know, whatever you're kind mm-hmm. of choosing as you're edu- you educate, which mm-hmm. I feel like is even educating me, you know, who's been out of the clinical setting for years mm-hmm. about kidney stuff. So I, I love that you've taken that approach. Yeah. And I've had a lot of great feedback from people about the things that I post and share because my message is really focused on the positive. And I always talk about the things you can eat. I really try to avoid the do not eat this kind of thing, but sometimes people just really want to hear that. And so, you know, give the people what they want, but I love focusing on the positive. And really when it comes to the, the, the new renal diet, it's not a matter of what you can't eat. It's imagine everything you can eat. And oftentimes it can come to a question of balancing potassium or managing phosphorus or revisiting sodium or fluids. It, it can be some of those things, but I really, even with, uh, even I had a patient last night who had a potassium in the sixes and it's, you know, that's high. That's not healthy. It's not safe. So we talked about how to take care of that. And we talked a little bit about our diet. She was eating some high potassium things, but then we got to this issue that she said she felt constipated. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, well, of course your potassium is going to be high. If you haven't been going to the bathroom, your potassium's not coming out. <laughs> so oh we, we talk about a lot of the things that aren't even, I mean, not even food related. They're still diet and nutrition related, but um, the traditional, the old method would be, oh, her potassium's high, no more potassium rich foods. Like, let's just cut all that out. But that's not answering, that's not solving the problem. That's not fixing and, and giving a good solution and, and really identifying what's going on. So with a lot of the older thoughts when it comes to renal diet, it's restricting potassium. We used to think only white grains, no whole grains, uh, it would be talking about avoiding phosphorus rich foods like nuts and beans. And we know now that that's really not the case because what we're setting up people for in that old renal diet 
is a, is a chronic issue of constipation, inflammation, poor gut health, oftentimes poor appetite, because we're pulling away all of these nutritious foods and giving them something that's super bland. I mean, like white pastas, low sodium with no flavor, like no tomato sauce. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> gross. Yeah. yeah. Which is how I was educated, you know? Right. Like, like, who wants it? The renal diet's the worst diet you can ever go on. But yeah. now it's good to know that they're steering away from that because it does cause other chronic issues. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I'm really, I'm really proud to be, um, in a group of, I'm, I'm pretty active in like the Facebook renal dietitian group. I love connecting with other renal dietitians. I mean, all dietitians in general, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but really learning more from other renal dietitians because it's just so intricate. There's so much there that we can address and help. Um, It's, it's still the reason I do this today is the same reason I did it back when I first was introduced to dialysis. It was this huge wide world of renal nutrition and all these different possibilities and all these different avenues of really what we can do to help our clients and help them feel better and enjoy their food. And it still brings me so much happiness that I, uh, I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm in the right place. And I, I, I love that you're, you're meeting people where they're at too on their mm-hmm. like renal journey, which is, it is a journey. I feel like, you know, it's kind of like diabetes. It's not something that just goes away overnight. It's always mm-hmm. something that a person will deal with. And so they can use you throughout their journey whenever things change or if things don't change, like you're like one of those people that kind of grows like a dietitian that grows with them as they continue in their disease. Oh, absolutely. Because it could be something that in the very beginning, we're talking about a certain, you know, whatever their number one concern is or what they really want to focus on to help their kidneys. And three months later, it shifts to a whole different issue and it shifts to something else still related to their kidneys. But it's like, we haven't even dove into the subject yet. We've been focusing on X, Y, and Z, and we haven't hit one, two, and three yet. And there's, there's just so many different ways to take care of things. And that's why I think um, I mean, personally, I do require my clients work with me for a minimum of three months. I usually push them to work with me for six months because of the lab schedule. First of all, they don't, they might not get labs as frequently as they'd like. So we really use the labs to track a lot of progress. And to do that, we need to have those basically landmarks of, of when they're getting their labs to see how things are looking. So it, it really does I feel require a longer term commitment from both the practitioner and the client in, in doing this kind of work. That's awesome. I think that's so, I think it's so intriguing because I feel like so many people are scared of becoming a, re- a renal dietitian. Mm-hmm. You know, at any stage, I think a lot of people are scared of it. But mm-hmm. you, again, you make it feel so approachable, even from a professional aspect. Yeah. And I mean, the renal jumping into dialysis, I, there's a lot of like political issues, I would say when it comes to dialysis um, and your clinic, if you look into dialysis, my number one tip for people that if you're interested in trying out dialysis, you need to go experience the clinic because that clinic environment, it's a work environment and it can either totally support and help you, or it can be the most toxic place that will drive you out of dialysis and make you think I would never work in dialysis again. And, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, my very first clinic, the one that was so huge in Texas, um, I, as a newbie and working mostly on the PD side, I felt like I was in a smaller clinic because the PD side was really just mine. That was my responsibility. And I was the solo dietitian on that side. But then on the hemodialysis side, it was much larger. And I was a fraction of this bigger situation. And oftentimes with really big clinics, there becomes a lot more drama and, and issues. And, <laughs> of course, yeah, I would. Yeah. <laughs> any kind of work environment, right? Yeah. So, um, but it really teaches you like to know I really valued my PD side. I loved my PD team, even, even the hemo side. Like I didn't have as much interaction with them, especially cause I was there for such a short time and I covered the evening shift, which meant, which meant at that point, a lot of people were gone. So my patients would start getting in at like 5 PM. Mm-hmm. So it was a very different environment that I had, but, um, 
my San Diego clinic, my Hawaii clinic. Those were amazing clinics that I am so grateful for all the people that I worked there with that were so supportive of me as a dietitian and really helped me take care of the patients. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say for people that are interested in renal or want to try it out, dialysis is a great job. It is so good. It's one of the best paying jobs when it comes to the clinical work. So you're compensated pretty well. Uh, You don't have to work weekends like the hospitals. You still get that medical nutrition therapy. Um, And then because it's so specialized, you really get to know the ins and outs and you get to hone in on a lot of the issues that you're patient's face. And, uh, that's how I became board certified in renal is because of my experience there. And I was able to take the exam and, and using the information that I had learned from my years in dialysis that really supported my additional professional growth. I was going to ask you if you were board certified. I figured you were. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, that would be, it sounds like that's totally your GM to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I put it on my, I put it on my, um, what is that? The PDR. I put it on my plan to say I am going to be board certified in renal because at that point I was in renal for a few years. Even when I worked, uh, when I first moved to Hawaii, I worked at the national kidney foundation here and it was still like kidney related issues, but that's also where I learned more about the diabetes prevention program. And I started teaching that, uh, and I started doing other early CKD interventions. So it was still all very entwined in the renal world, but just in different ways. Sure. How awesome. You are a rock star. I love it. I love that you're so passionate about this area of our, of our nutrition education that so many people are scared. of. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And well, it's just like I started, I was terrified. So <laughs> I, I can totally relate, but you know, I see it on the other side now and I'm, I'm on the other side of that rainbow being like, come over. It's so oh great God. over here. <laughs> <You're joining me. laughs> yeah. That's encouraging though, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, maybe like the, the, you know, the dialysis center isn't the ideal thing, but you have a passion for, for kidney nutrition that you could start your own business. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, like I would never think, Oh, I could start my own kidney business. That's not something mm-hmm. that, again, like we talked about, it's not something that's on dietitians radar. So yeah, I think that's so cool that you're doing it. And you're probably seeing patients from all over the, all over the country world. What are your patients kind of like, are they local? Um, I have a few local, it's still virtual even before, uh, COVID and everything, yeah. it was still always virtual. Um, I have, I don't think I have anybody on Island right now. I'm on Oahu. I have a few patients on Maui, a few on big Island. Um, I think that's it for here, but I see my clients are all over the U S. So I do work privately with clients across the U S and I'm very careful about following the different state licensure laws to make sure because it's MNT. And I really am very, very careful about that. So, but luckily I have a good rapport with people that when I explained to them the process, like I had one uh, gentleman who wanted to work with me and I said, I have to get my license for Louisiana. And Mm -hmm. I said, it could take a few weeks. It could take a month, but you know, if you want to work with me, we can get things set up and I'll, if you say yes, then I'll start the paperwork and I'll get this going. And, um, and he said, yes. And, and they're willing to wait. Um, they're willing to wait knowing that. I'm going to help them. And that's really awesome to think that I can do that and, and serve people. But yeah, across the U.S. And I do have a group program, a course that I teach as well for like basics about nutrition related to kidney health. Mm. And that is open internationally. So I have people in that group from New Zealand, from the Philippines, Malaysia, wow. um, but also in the U.S., there's a few that have said that they're from the U S and there too. Um, and that's another big joy that I have is, is doing that group program. I do cooking demos with them during the live course and, uh, it's a lot of fun and they're, they're all awesome. It's, it's such a great group and so supportive. That's a great kind of like, is it kind of like an intro to kidney yeah. nutrition kind of to get everyone started or if they're just kind of like teetering if they want to work with you is that kind of where that you kind of send them first 
Uh, ideally, some people are like, no, 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 I don't want to, I'm not wasting my time with the course. I'm going to work with you. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I do recommend it. And, and right now it's, it's a live course. So it's only, it's only available a few times a year. Okay. I've, I've, I've contemplated making it evergreen, but I'm not, I don't think I'm quite there yet as far as I want to continue it to be live at this point. Um, but it is something that I do tell people, like, if you don't really know where to start, this is where we cover like the macronutrients and we talk about what they are and how they're related to kidney health and what they should be focusing on. We talk about, um, man, we have, we have six different weeks uh, or six weeks of different topics. I'm trying to go across all the things we talk about gut health, phosphorus, bone health. Those are some other topics we talk about. Um, but it's a really good starting point for them to just learn some of the first things when it comes to kidney health and nutrition. And then afterwards, if they do want to work with me, which I'm, I'm booked right now, I have, um, I'm, I'm booked solid and I have a wait list of like 60 people. Oh my so God. that's my, <laughs> I mean, that's awesome, but it's probably overwhelming for you too. Oh, yeah. I want to help you now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. It's really hard. And I'm still, um, my practice is about two years old now and, um, I, I need to figure out, I just did not think I'd have this problem. I, I really did not imagine I would have this problem, but it's a good problem to have. And I'm not complaining. I just need to figure out how I'm going to help more of these people and what I can do for them. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's something that's been growing and I, I continue to look for ways that I can help people, however small to do something for them and, and, and teach them a little bit more to feel comfortable knowing that they're getting safe nutrition information because there's so many people out there that take advantage of people with CKD and try to sell them these kidney cleanses and these Ugh. detox pills. Oh yeah. It's gross. Seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There's, there's, it's, it's, it's so, oh, so upsetting, but that's why I just say, you know, I just got to be louder. I just got to be out there in front of more people and make sure that they're getting the right information. So, um, I, was gonna I, ask you, I said, what is the future? I know that you said, I obviously you have a lot of things planned for the future, but what does the future kind of look like for you? I mean, you might have to hire some staff, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I did hire, I did take on like a, a part-time virtual assistant who has been helping me with my social media, taking care of that. I have been teetering with the idea of hiring dietitians to help with the load. Um, that's a bigger question when it comes to like the business legalities and, and um, you know, everything that comes with like, I, I never saw myself as I, I've been a manager before and I've, I've overseen clinics and it's like, I've never really thought of that as being something that I would be so passionate about with my private work, but because of the demand and that I want to help more people that it might be something that I need to look into. And it just, I feel like, that's a, oh my gosh, that's a keg of worms, not even a can. It's, just, <laughs> it's a keg of worms. Well, it is hard to wrap your head around it when you're like, it is. Wow, I might have to actually, like, cause I know like we come from that place of I can do everything, you know, mm-hmm. but you really can't do everything. But I think right. it's amazing that there's such a need for someone like you and others like you to be an advocate for people with kidney problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is really, really wonderful. And there's, there's so much room. I mean, over 37 million people in the U S alone with kidney issues like uh, that. I I'm, I'm sitting here trying to do the math on how many people I can help in my career lifetime. And that's a drop in the bucket. Like, and it's just, it's, and I'm sure it's just increasing too. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's no sign that it's going to come down anytime soon. And by that's, that's where it really, um, a lot of the work comes involved. Like I told you, I, I, I still do the diabetes prevention classes and that's been something that is also kind of nice to have as additional way to help the community, just kind of in a different aspect. Do you offer those virtually then? Uh, actually I contract with a company that hires dietitians and they have the platform, the program, the system, they manage the enrollments and everything. So, um, it's my wonderful. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And, and that's how I, um, that, that I just show up and I teach, I have a class. Yeah. Like I said, I have a class later this afternoon. I'll be teaching 
And um, it's, it's another great way to tell people like, I'm so proud of you for, for being so proactive. And these people that are jumping into this class, because just the, just a slightly high A1C and they're already like, what can I do? What needs to be done? And I, I'm just so proud of them for, for taking advantage of the opportunity that they have. Just like I'm proud of my private clients. They have a GFR of 54 and their doctor says, oh, you don't need to do anything. You don't need to worry about anything. You don't need to make any changes. And they come to me and they say, I know I need to make changes. Please help me with what those need to be. And it's just, I'm just so proud of all of them for, for taking that initiative for their own health and ignoring the people who say it's not a big deal, but then call them a month later and say, okay, it's a big deal. Yeah. Well, and I feel, don't you feel like kind of like diabetes prevention definitely is complementary to your private practice because Mm -hmm. those kind of go high, you know, like diabetes, kidney problems, they all kind of, they can kind of correlate with each other. So it's kind of like you're doing some preventative stuff even for Mm -hmm. people that are at risk for kidney health issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and that's what I've told them, even in some of our intro classes, um, again, so the whole system is all created. It's the Medicare diabetes prevention program. So they have all of the information, they have the whole program written out. So it's very accessible and easy to implement into a practice. Um, and one, some of the first things that you do in the first sessions, you talk about why it's important to prevent diabetes. And one of the things is preventing kidney issues, preventing kidney failure. And so when I talk with my groups about this, I tell them, you know, I'm a renal dietitian. I know this is a very, very important thing and it, and it will pay off dividends. I mean, people can have kidney damage just from pre-diabetes. You don't need to have diabetes to have kidney damage. It can simply be a slightly high A1C that already starts to cause issues with your kidneys. So it's, it's a great time to right away, just nip it in the bud and take care of it. Well, I, I think I love your passion for what you're doing. I think anyone that is listening to this, that is interested in this field, just reach out to you because I feel like you would share anything and everything you possibly can to help kind of keep this momentum going as far as helping people earlier in their disease. And I just, I love what you're doing. I think you're doing such a great job. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I, yeah, I, it's definitely the best of both worlds. I found something that I'm passionate about, but is also something that can um, really help keep me secure financially and, and sometimes mentally um, and mobility wise with your, yeah. With your body. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think honestly, I really hope that the future of dietetics moves to a point similar of physicians where we have our private practices and that's the standard. And we, we consult with hospitals and, and the dialysis clinics and we go there for rounds and rotations, but we still direct people to come see us in our private practice outside of that. And I, I really hope that that's where dietetics moves to instead of thinking that we have to be employed by the hospitals, employed by the dialysis clinics, employed by whatever healthcare setting it is that we should be treated the same way because of how much impact nutrition has. And, uh, and yeah, I really, really hope that that is what happens in the future. Cause I would, I, I would love to be able to go back into dialysis and be able to do rounds and help people with that. But I can't do that and my private practice. I, I, I can't, if they're, if they're making it full time, it's not something that I'm going to be able to, to do to help with. And honestly, I think with the climate with healthcare right now, that definitely is a possibility. So I, I don't see why they wouldn't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I kind yeah. of feel like, you know, the more, the more that we're going to be needed as in our profession, the more that they're going to have to be, it's going to have to be more fluid like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'll get, I'll get food for thought. <laughs> yeah. I hope everybody, I mean, the more dietitians that can think about that message and start advocating for that. I mean, there's a lot I of was, us over, totally. over a hundred thousand. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah, I think it's way over a hundred thousand now. So yeah, I mean, ideally, yeah, that'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to keep learning from you on Instagram. So I also, as a dietitian, love to learn from you. I may not ever have to work with a person in kidney health with kidney health issues, but I, I do like to learn from you. So thanks for sharing your knowledge with even other dietitians as well. 
Of course. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I, I absolutely love listening to these and getting to know dietitians on a more personal level. I think it's just so fantastic. I connected with um, Lindsay McCoy after I listened to her oh, podcast with you. Cause yeah. I was like, wow, our, our backgrounds are super parallel with the military and the, the Iowa state internship and everything. It's like, that's crazy. How true. Yeah. It's so <laughs> similar. <laughs> That is very well. I'm glad you guys connected. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's yeah. what I feel like that's what this podcast is for is to create uh, just a community of supporting other dietitians and getting that out there so you can see that there's other opportunities that you maybe never thought of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's it's just wonderful to be a part of this and and to yeah good, to connect with good. more dietitians. Okay, so I have the hard questions now. Are you ready? I love it. Yes. Okay. Um, share with me some of your favorite foods or foods that you enjoy. Um, I am such a big fan of mangoes right now. And I think it's because of where I live. Um, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Our neighbor has a mango tree. And when I take my dog on walks in the neighborhood, I'm always like kind of slow to roll by that house because mm-hmm. it's, you can't just take the mangoes off the tree. You have, it's, it's very, it's a cultural thing here. Just because there's a tree that bears fruit, you need to ask for permission. You cannot just go take it. Even if it's hanging over the wall or something, you need to ask for permission. And this neighbor will have a big box and it's free mangoes. Uh-huh. And so I'll kind of walk by and see what I can get. And, but the mangoes are so good here. So good. And the pineapple. That's really good here too. Um, so when I was little, I actually, my dad was in the military and we lived in Hawaii and, um, oh we had a banana tree and a papaya tree in our backyard. So mm. we, as little girls, we would hand out bananas and papayas when they would come. So I kind of remember that, like they yeah. can't take them, but we could definitely give them to people. So yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> but yeah, mangoes. Oh my gosh. I bet you they are so delicious there. Oh, amazing. Amazing. They're really good. Uh, what kind of beverages do you enjoy? Um, I mean, I, I am so boring with beverages. I, I love water and maybe it's because I, I tell, I tell my clients all the time to make sure they're hydrating and drinking water. Um, but just plain water is, is just like to die for, for me. Um, and then the second to that is wine, red wine. I could probably die for some red wine too. So (laughs) (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. Any scents or smells that you enjoy? I have this cat, this candle in my office that um, I've been burning through like crazy, and I buy them in, in bulk now. Basically, whenever Bath and Body Works has a sale, <laughs> but it is the um, it's their stress relief aromatherapy eucalyptus and spearmint blend. And, oh my gosh! It is like it is just absolutely. So calming and soothing and refreshing. I'm not a big fan of like the really sweet mm-hmm. smells, um, which I think Bath and Body Works is pretty. There's known a lot of for. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I'm not crazy about those, but like this one is absolutely phenomenal. And I, like I said, I have like three more of them because I know I'm going to run through it. Actually, it's almost out. I need to get a new one put in here, but oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'll have to try that one because I do like their candles, but I, you're right. I'm not a sweet fan. So I like the ones that mm-hmm. are. That'll be, oh, I'm writing it down. As we speak, so. mm-hmm. um, things that you like to listen to when you're working, playing, background noise. Um, I am, I love listening to podcasts. Uh, when I walk my dog in the morning, I usually like to listen to a nutrition or business related podcast because uh, I can't remember where I've heard. I've heard it from several areas, I think, but like walking helps increase creativity and I'm a really creative person. I'm, I'm the product of two engineers, <laughs> but oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but, um, listening to those podcasts in the morning just really helps me think about what I want to do for the day. So, um, I love, oh my gosh, all the dietitian podcasts, the unconventional RD. She has a great podcast, uh, nutrition biz, I think it is. Um, yeah. So those kind of podcasts I think are really great to listen to. And then when I want downtime, um, I love having 
the office playing in the background. I'll usually have that on when I'm like cooking or something. And I'm not like, I don't need to watch the show because I've seen that a thousand times, but I love, I love just kind of listening to that. Actually, when I did my last photo shoot, I had the office playing in the house because I needed something to make me organically laugh and smile. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. So I had that going on and my photographer friend and I just got to laugh about Dwight and you know, the stuff that they were doing. So So, yeah, that one's always good. Yeah, I think everybody kind of has a show that they could that they watched a million times. But again, it's just good background noise because you pretty much know mm-hmm. what's going to happen in the episode, but it still just makes you laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just something that, you know, you can kind of disconnect from and and just, yeah, let it just let it be there. Mm-hmm. And why don't you share with me what brings you joy in life, Jen? Uh, well, I think you're going to know that I'm going to say my work because <laughs> that's just, what I was going to guess, but I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. My work brings me so much joy getting the, getting the, the feedback I get from people in the group course, from my private clients, the success and like the number of exclamation points they use when they share their success in their, in our texts and our chat is so awesome. Um, my husband is my best friend and we've been married. We've been together for like 10 years and married for, um, five. I, I can't keep track of time anymore, but um, <laughs> what's his name by the way? We've talked about him. What's his name? It's Josue. He's Puerto Rican. Okay. It's yeah. It's very, people have a, usually have a hard time saying it. <laughs> um, they call him Josue. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So he, he is just my best friend and, you know, us being in quarantine, he was working from home for a while and it, it still was, we just have so much fun together. And uh-huh. yeah, he, and, and then of course my dog, my dog, Lucy is my other best friend who just um is my, my walking buddy, my beach buddy. And she is, she is my ray of sunshine. So, well, it sounds like you have lots of joy in your life. And yeah. I think it's so great when your work and then your home life and all of it just comes together and you're just, it's, you can tell it radiates from you. So I think that's amazing. Yeah. And it, yeah, it, it really, it really is. And it's something that's just so genuine. And I can be authentic when I show up for people and, talk on social media about, you know, my frustrations that I feel for my client or the joys that I feel for my client. It's, I know I found what I need to do in this world because it's so, it just hits me so deep and uh, I really, really enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this with me and with my listeners. And I look forward to staying connected with you and then just Again, continuing to learn and just follow you. So thanks for all you're doing. Thank you so much for having me, Anne Elizabeth. I have really loved this. It's been so great. Um, I will say one more thing, and that's just a, a really quick hi to my mom and dad, who I know are going to listen to this because they listen and watch everything I do. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I have to say hi to them because they're so supportive and, and they're amazing role models. And uh, yeah, and they'll, they'll listen to this all the way to the very end. So, oh my gosh, um, well, so yeah. they are fantastic humans for creating you. So that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are pretty fantastic absolutely they probably miss you so much (laughs) oh yeah my mom's already crying now i can i can totally hear it (laughs) she's like oh it's my baby (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) oh so sweet well i love that you did a shout out you should just shout it out in the beginning we should have shouted out hi to your mom and dad at the beginning but um i should have oh i know they're gonna listen though they're (laughs) they're gonna hear all this okay (laughs) good (laughs) all right jen well to be continued and um yeah hopefully someday we get you never know when you come back to the united states maybe we can meet in person i would love that sometime or i if i i don't think you're going to be in hawaii that long from what you kind of said but you never know so hopefully our paths will cross yeah, yeah. I think we're going back to the mainland. Um, we are scheduled to go the end of next month, I believe. Um, but even this morning, my husband told me that might change. So <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. It, right? You just got to go with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Jen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anne Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. 
All right. So I'm going to hit stop and I'm going to say goodbye to you. So thank you so much for today. I love getting to know you. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was a really great conversation. I, I really enjoyed this. I feel Jen embraces the hell yeah by truly being passionate about kidney health. This area of nutrition can be a little intimidating, and I know it was for me, but she makes it so approachable for her clients and also for me as a dietitian. I actually learn a lot from her. I think it's great she's doing this virtually. It's a very out-of-the-box kind of a virtual practice, and that gives her the opportunity to help more people. I love her energy and how she cares so much about her clients. She's really doing great things. So if you're interested in this field, definitely reach out to her. All of her contact information is in the show notes. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.